The Ringer's Charles Holmes and co-host Grace Spellman present the most notorious new podcast in the industry, The Ringer Music Show. Every Tuesday, they'll bring you the latest news, the hottest takes, and the deepest reporting about the wild world of music and the chaotic industry that creates it. Check out The Ringer Music Show exclusively on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello, media consumers. Welcome to the Press Box. Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker of The Ringer here, along with producer Erica Cervantes. David, are you still climbing out of the coma of a gigantic football weekend? That's one way to put it, I guess, right? Uh, yeah, it, it seemed like um, it, I was. I watched a lot of TV, and obviously just with the span of time, I think I Googled NFL scores on my phone more times this weekend than I have in, in quite some time. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot. I had the, um, this is not a scientific observation, but I, I pride myself on being able to watch tons of football on television. I have a higher capacity for that than anything but coffee during the day. And by last night, Monday night, I was flagging. I mean, it was just, it was just literally hard to make sense of what I was seeing on the screen because I had watched so much football over a three-day period. It really did hit that line. I've got a bunch of notes for you. Amusing and strange things I saw over the weekend. Note number one, David, is from the Saturday game between the Cincinnati Bengals and Las Vegas Raiders. Uh Uh-huh. It was announced by a relative newcomer to the sports television field, Drew Brees. All right, Drew Brees, Super Bowl winning quarterback in the New Orleans Saints. He gets hired by NBC. He did the studio this year. He called Notre Dame games with Mike Tirico. This was kind of his big coming out party as an announcer. And he was a real dud. (laughs) I mean, a real dud. And you know how there's awkward announcing like Jason Witten was awkward announcing where you're kind of stumbling over the words and don't feel too comfortable in the whole thing. Drew Brees was a different category in that he just didn't have anything to say. Right. Like there would be a play and he would go, well, you know, those penalties really magnified during the playoffs. Like, yeah, okay. That's a good observation. Thanks for that. And then they they get down to the last drive of the game. The Raiders are going down trying to tie the game. And Tariko sets him up and says, you know, what should we be looking for? What's going on here? And he said, I think the Raiders should try to get the ball out of bounds to stop the clock, which is true for any potential game tying or winning drive. Yes. That's like saying the Raiders should try to make yards on their march toward the end zone. Mm-hmm. It was a weird one. Yeah, that's strange. I mean, listen, you, you maybe, maybe this, maybe he's victim to the fact that when you're a, you know, a hall of fame quarterback, uh, and you're hanging around with your friends or at the bar watching the game, everybody, everything you say comes off as genius, but, uh, but yeah, maybe, and it doesn't quite convey 
across the national airwaves. But they, it was a very bizarre performance. There's this whole thing of how do you predict who's going to be the next announcer? And one way, the easiest way, at least for the, all of us who are outside the, uh, the C-suite, is to watch the way these guys talk when they're interviewed. Mm-hmm. So like Drew Brees giving a press conference back when he was a player. We can watch that and say, is this gonna guy going to be good or not? And I remember watching Drew Brees and being like, he sounds like he is speaking very carefully like quarterbacks of high-profile NFL teams tend to speak in those situations. But I was assured by multiple people in the business that when they did those private interviews that the broadcast crew gets to do with the famous players before the game starts, Uh that Drew Brees was just winning those meetings. Like, Drew Brees was awesome. You hear Mike Tomlin, the coach of the Steelers, is awesome in those meetings? He Uh was awesome. And that's where those guys find the next announcers. Because they're like, aha, see, this guy's talking to us. And if he's really good, he could be really good in front of the mic. Sure. Yeah. So Drew Brees won the meeting. But then when he was actually put out there, it was uh, it was kind of like, you know what? You know, when you hear a bad podcast guest mm-hmm. and the host is doing all the work. Yeah, that was Tarico. And we don't have those here on the press box. Pod. every 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 guest we have is fantastic. We've never had to carry a show. You know, it's one thing to be not, like, you know, fun in a room, right? Or, you know, in, in front of a small audience. And there's a lot of reasons why that could be. I mean, for one thing, if you're judging all your future, you know, announcers and color commentators by the people that come through the interview room at Fox Fox Sports, you're, you're talking about a pretty, a pre- necessarily pretty narrow uh, set of options there, right? I mean, it's not like you're just yeah. out there just like canvassing the the wide world of of people with voices, but... You know, there's 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 being nice off. I mean, there's being funny and entertaining when you're like talking off the cuff without a microphone on or without a recorder on or whatever. And then there's having to do it in front of a bunch of people. And the one thing that would happen between that time in the room with the Fox execs and and being on the air is a whole lot of training, right? Is a whole lot of just sort of like like on the air boot camping. And I always think back. This is a we're on the press box, so I can make this sort of like just bizarre grab. But I always think of Al Gore, who everybody used to say was the was the funny. Al Gore was supposedly the funniest guy in the world in re, in like in, in social situations, right? He was just like witty mm-hmm. and jokey and whatever. And you put a microphone in front of him when he's running for office, and he couldn't he he couldn't keep his foot out of his mouth. And and part of me always wondered if it was just at some point you say something smart ass or you say something that you shouldn't have said and your media trainers, your handlers just, just read you the riot act for it. And you're just like, okay, fine. I'll do exactly what you say, you know? And you just internalize it in exactly the wrong way. And you become the opposite of what made you so compelling. The thing we should interrogate here is whether somebody like Drew Brees or in your example, Al Gore really was funny off camera. Mm -hmm. Or is that just something we say? (laughs) You should see him off camera. He's really funny. Yeah. You're right. That could could have just been, that could have been its own little, like the PR push from the campaign. That that would, that would probably make more sense, you know, if you want to be honest about it. But as of just, just as a, as a, as a parallel, I mean, I could imagine that Drew Brees just got, you know, just as being overly cautious, you know, or doesn't want us, doesn't want to sound stupid or whatever it is, you know? And so you would just end up sounding just nothing. So that's the thing, right? When you're answering questions after a game, if you're a big, famous quarterback or athlete, the key 
is not to say anything. The key is to yes. be vanilla. And then you get onto television like, no, no, no. Being vanilla is not the goal. In fact, being vanilla is bad here. You should be interesting. And sometimes if you're too interesting, that's good for television. We like too interesting. But being boring and vanilla, that's weird. Another note from that very same game, David. There was this amazing play where Joe Burrow, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, runs right. He's right at the sideline. He throws the ball into the end zone. And anybody watching that telecast could hear a whistle, a referee's whistle being blown while the ball was in the air. It was a really, really weird moment. And then the Bengals catch a touchdown. And we're like, wait a second. I heard the referees blow the whistle while the ball was in the air. And under NFL rules, you have to actually replay that down. Touchdown shouldn't count. You just start over and say, whoops, that was an accident. Replay the down. Uh, NBC took a little while to see it. It took them a couple of minutes to come back and see it. But the reason I bring this up is because everybody on Twitter got mad at Jerome Boger, who was the head referee of that game. Does anything unite sports Twitter like bad officiating? Like we thought the longform.org stopping publishing was something that united all of media Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Bad officiating is such a down the middle piece of comfort food for all of us. Everybody can get in on that action. Yeah. There's uh, no one's going to come to the defense of a referee. Right. <laughs> I mean, unless you're just really kind of doing it from a very deliberate point of view, um, just to, just to, you know, just to get, a, just to, to work everybody else up into a frenzy. But yeah, of course. I mean, we're, I mean, you can make fun of coaches. You're going to get a little pushback. You can make fun of quarter. You can get on quarterbacks. You get a lot of pushback, uh, regardless of who they are. But referees are sitting ducks, man. Referees don't have a constituency. They have no constituency. Right. And Mike, like guys like Mike Pereira on Fox, the ex-referee who does all the overseeing of the officials calls, even he's trying to undermine the referees in the game. So it's not a, so even their former colleague isn't going to come to their defense because his whole job is to point out on television when those referees are wrong. Mm-hmm. Poor referees. Yeah, yeah. I guess Mike Pereira is the constituency for referees. So, that's but great. no, but it turns out he's he's undermining them. He's saying, "No, well, I know, he, I know. He should be the constituency. And if he's not on, he doesn't have your back. Then what do you got?" Note number three, David comes from the Fox number one team of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. <laughs> So they were covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Philadelphia Eagles game on Sunday. They were not covering the Dallas Cowboys San Francisco 49ers game. Yes. Which was a better matchup. And by the way, is the most NFC matchup of all time. We associate the NFC with Fox because it's split up. Anyway, due to a very boring contractual thing, CBS, not Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, got to do Cowboys 49ers. Troy Aikman let her rip on the air that he was very disappointed <laughs> with that turn of events. That game coming up, which is on CBS, which is the Dallas Cowboys hosting the San Francisco 49ers. We saw San Francisco with that overtime win in L.A. last weekend. That's going to be a good game. It's going to be a great game. Uh, I mean, a really good game. I think there's a lot of people that like to be calling that game, <laughs> but uh, should be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I love trying to pull out of the dive when Joe Buck starts laughing there, but it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Calling that game. Woo. 
This is one of the ones where the deals got all all messed everything up because I want to hear Troy Eggman talking about the Dallas Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers, a rivalry he was a part of. Yeah. And I wanted to hear Chris Collinsworth, by the way, talking about what a big win that was for the Cincinnati Bengals, their first playoff win since 1991. Mm-hmm. Former Cincinnati Bengal played in the Super Bowl for him. We just, we needed some, we needed like the fantasy booking of the announce crews. I just, somebody, GM of common sense, as our boss would say, to just step in and go, I know what the deals say, but I'm going to come in and fix this. Got to yeah. have the right people in the right place. Uh, here's another sound by David from our Dallas Cowboys, at least my Dallas Cowboys. They lost to the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. And they lost in the most embarrassing way possible which is they were driving uh, at the end of the game to try to tie the score, actually win the game. And the clock ran out. They ran a play in the middle of the field and were not able to get a Hail Mary or any kind of final play into the end zone off. Uh, The crowd there, our peers there in Texas at AT AT&T Stadium, started throwing trash. (laughs) Very wrestling crowd style there. For the record, is the trash the most, make it the most embarrassing way possible to you? The trash throwing or just the play calling or lack thereof? Um, I think the play calling was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. All right. That was the most Cowboys thing I've ever seen. Uh, Dak Prescott, starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, was asked by the media afterwards, what did he make of fans throwing trash onto the field? That's sad. Uh, I mean, you're talking about a team, you're talking about men that come out each and every day of their lives and uh, give everything to the sport, um, give everything to this game of football. Um, nobody wants to succeed more than we want to succeed. I understand fans and, and, and the word fan for fanatic. I get that. But um, to know everything that we put into this day in and day out, try our hardest. Um, nobody comes in in the game wanting or expecting expecting to lose. And um, for, for people to react that way when you're supposed to be a supporter um, and, and be with us through thick and thin, uh, that's tough. I love that whenever we get into a question uh, about fans, everyone is contractually obligated to point out that fan is short for fanatic. <laughs> you must point that out at least once. When you're one, of the great, one of the greatest little fillers of all time. That's you great. know, fan is short for fanatic. Anyway, very standard answer there by Dak Prescott. Speaking of quarterbacks, not wanting to say anything inflammatory. Hey, you know. We're working hard out there. We're trying our best, and we're really disappointed to see fans throwing trash at the players. But then the funniest thing happened, David. One of the reporters there says, no, no, no. They weren't throwing trash at you. They were throwing trash at the referees. (laughs) And I want you to hear Dak Prescott's answer when he is informed that, in fact, the fans were throwing trash at the refs. Credit to them. Find it totally unacceptable that the fans would throw trash at me, but if they're throwing it at those refs, you got to hand it to the fans at AT&T stadium. You know? Yeah. I've never heard anything like that before. Well, I mean, what are you going to do? What are you gonna? What do, what do you expect? I mean, he's 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 probably really pissed off at the refs. I know, but and again, I'm not trying to do the high horsey take here. Like Dak, I would rather Dak Prescott be honest with the way he feels about the refs. But I did not. I've just never heard someone stand up there after a game and go, oh, you know, actually, you're throwing trash at the refs. I'm okay with that. 
<laughs> Need to improve our aim here at AT&T Stadium. I threw some bad passes today. Hey, so did the fans. <laughs> they were throwing garbage at the refs. Final note is on the matter of Stephen A. Smith. Woo! And also on the matter of the Dallas Cowboys. Because one of Stephen A. Smith's many corners, as they say in the sports media, is that he does not like the Dallas Cowboys, David. Of course, yeah. And because the Dallas Cowboys move the ratings needle, not only does he not like the Dallas Cowboys very publicly, Stephen A. Smith has Michael Irvin, former Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, Super Bowl winning wide receiver, on his show on Monday so that they can have a public discussion about the ways that Stephen A. Smith does not like the Cowboys. (laughs) An airing of grievances. An airing of grievances, if you will, for one or the other. In this case, the Cowboys lost. And Stephen A., who recovered from COVID, and we're happy to hear that, comes out onto the set in a cowboy hat, smoking a cigar to savor his victory such as it is over Michael Irvin. Here's a little bit of what he told the playmaker on ESPN. This franchise is an utter disgrace. Every big moment that arrives, they look at you, they look at Emmett, they look at Troy, they look at everybody, and they say, we want of y'all, but they ain't one of y'all. They never earned it. And fools like you grabbing Micah Parsons, who's a stud, who's a stud? on draft day. We got it. We got the crew. You, man. You- <laughs> Can I tell you what I found amazing about that? Yes, please. Looking at Twitter on Sunday after the Cowboys lose and then again on Monday morning, the consensus, I think I'm safe to say, of sports Twitter was, Oh, man, I can't wait to hear Stephen A. on Monday morning. This is going to be an incredible bit by Stephen A. Yeah. A chance to do his anti-Cowboys thing on Monday morning. Oh, yeah. Can we just note, maybe for the umpteenth time on this podcast, what an incredible turnaround this is in the Stephen A. Smith discourse that was going on in sports media and has been going on in sports media. If I had gotten a time machine and went back like 10 years ago and told everybody, all the reporters out there, but said, all right, here's what's going to happen. Stephen A. Smith will come out on television in a cowboy hat, smoking a cigar and make fun of Michael Irvin because the Cowboys lost. The two responses I think I would get were, were a, I am not watching that for fellow sports media members. That is not my cup of tea or two. This is just like my idea of hell. That's exactly what they what people would have said. Yeah. But Stephen A. Smith has won people over to such a degree, David, that everybody now, it's the opposite. Like, well, I can't wait to see this. This is going to be a great Stephen A. moment. This is, a, this is going to be an amazing content opportunity for Stephen A. Smith on first take. And I'm not even judgmental about it, right? Even as a Cowboys, I don't care. Like that to me, Stephen A. Smith going out there, that's that's great. Whatever he wants to do. I'm just amazed at the way perception within the media, the the general opinion of the media, if I can be so bold as to divine that has turned around. Yeah. I mean, I think it sort of took it just took a couple people to sort of signal that it was okay to appreciate Stephen A in all of his glory. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think that it's that it's um, it's not just 
is not just that he's taking a corner that would not have been something you would expect 10 years ago. I think it's, just, it's sort of like, you know, the kind of, the shattering of the false idols of a lot of things in pro sports has gone on over the past decade, right? And it, you can make, it turns out you can make a lot more hay and maybe a lot more money out of talking shit about the Cowboys and of like glorifying them than by glorifying them. You know what I mean? Like it's like, there's a, as much as all these Cowboys fans, and you can say the same thing about any successful major market team, as much as they're used to the media being, the local media being fawning and just sort of celebratory and everything else, more often than not, your emotional state is one of despair. And to hear that channeled on a national platform isn't necessarily the worst idea. Yeah, I guess it's also different just to have a, a, a taking a side on the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Like, was that a thing nationally 10 years ago? I mean, there's certainly <laughs> a lot of generalized Cowboys. We're tired of this or I hate the Cowboys or whatever it is. But the idea that like on my television show, I am going to be either pro Cowboys or anti Cowboys. Yeah. You know, I think we would have more approached it like I'm going to talk about the news of the day. <laughs> Rather than I am going to glory in the victory or defeat of the Cowboys. Yeah, well, it's good content. So that's different. Yeah. Can I give you my other theory about why I think things have turned around? Sure. 10, 20 years ago, when we watched sports television, we meaning members of the sports media, we were writers, mostly. Mm -hmm. There were sports writers, and then there were those people on TV. Okay? We're mm -hmm. doing the serious work, quote unquote. They're on TV, and they're doing something else. Well, mm -hmm. guess what happened in the meantime, David? We all got podcasts. <laughs> we kind of all started doing bits, even between our quote unquote serious pieces. It's true. And I just think something happened where everyone's kind of from our writer, writer side of uh, the world looks at the people on television now and goes, oh, Oh, that person is doing a more successful version or more high profile version of what I'm trying to do twice yeah. a week on my podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's and listen, we've talked about before about how how fandom is just goes part and parcel with sports writing these days, right? Go mm -hmm. look at all the football yes. writers that you follow on Twitter and try to find one who you don't know who their home team is, right, or where their rooting interests lie. And this is just sort of the weird inverse of that right the comical <laughs> the comical funhouse mirror version of being <laughs> you know a diehard browns fan there's you know whatever this is this is just no i i have a team and i that i hate more than all the other teams i was watching uh twitter this week because i'm waiting for the bengals fan in the media to emerge mm -hmm. like i know who the cowboys people are I know, you know, the Bears people, I, I can kind of name like somebody from almost every franchise now because they're very public about it on Twitter. Lots of Eagles sure. fans. Do we have a Bengals fan? Do we have like an avatar in the sports media who we're going to be like, oh, somebody go check on so-and-so if they lose next weekend? Is so-and-so doing okay? And then they're going to have their reaction to share with us about what happens to, the, to their Bengals? Um, I don't know. I certainly don't know the answer and I'm sure we're going to get, you know, we're going to get made fun of for not knowing something very obvious, but I just Googled it to see who the, who are the, if there are any famous <laughs> Bengals fans. Okay. And the first person on the list is Woody Harrelson, which, okay. Mm -hmm. I'll take uh, that. And then the list just sort of falls off the cliff. Uh, Gary Owen, Bootsy Collins, um, 
Oh, George Clooney's on here. Nick okay. Lachey, like they have 98 degrees. He's dead, uh, you know, he, he counts. <laughs> Carmen Electra. Mm. Um, oh, Kirk Herbstreet is a Bengals fan. Okay, there it is. That's there it. you go. Dan Patrick? Is he? I, I, I had no idea, but now Maybe we know. Maybe he is. I know, I know he's from I know he's from there or from Ohio. Uh yes. And um and Jerry Springer. All right. One of one of your personal favorites. Kirk Herbstreet. It's yeah. his corner. We got you. All right, David, let's do the overworked Twitter joke of the week where we celebrate a gag that was so obvious that all of media Twitter made it at exactly the same time. Send your nominees to at the press box pod where they are always gratefully received. I got some Texas news for you. This is from Rolling Stone. Robert Earl Keene, the yeah. beloved Texas songwriter known for songs like The Road Goes On Forever, says he is retiring from touring. Robert Earl Keene is retiring from touring. It was an wow. old Twitter joke to write. Turns out the road doesn't go on forever and the party does end. <laughs> Next to Senior Chess Burrito for that That's one. fantastic. I'm just, I want to go, I'm going to have to go scroll back through Twitter and see if anybody I know made that joke because I'd be slightly shocked if anybody just had a Robert Earl Keene <laughs> joke in their back pocket or in their holster. I guess that would be the more appropriate way to put it. A note from the world of baseball, David, for you. The Blue Jays have signed Dominican right-handed pitcher M&M's Flores. <laughs> M&M's Flores. Spelled like the rapper. M&M, except plural. M&M's. It was an overworked Twitter joke to write, I guess this is his one shot, his one opportunity. <laughs> Another one says, I hope he doesn't lose himself in the moment. Uh, we would have also accepted his name is what? <laughs> I like that one better. Thanks to Joe Healy for that one. And finally, David, a little news from the food world in the New York Times. The makers of Gruyere cheese, Gruyere cheese in Switzerland and France, are not happy that a federal judge sided with U.S. cheese producers and said the cheese, named for the Swiss town where it's been made for centuries, could be produced anywhere. Turns out Gruyere cheese can be produced anywhere. Was an overworked Twitter joke to write. Looks like this one falls into a gray area. <laughs> Wait. Wait, how does that work? How do you just, how does that, you could, like an American judge decided that they, that anyone can do it? Can we first be honest? Did either one of us know Gruyere cheese had to be made in Switzerland or France or it didn't, it couldn't be called Gruyere cheese? I'm not raising yeah. my hand right now. No, but 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 there's a bunch of, and I don't. I'm not going to go into these. You did, a bunch you did of, not know that. I know on no, your I, behalf. No, I had no idea. But you do know that some cheese, the cheeses are regional. If you sure. well, is it, listen, if you were a daily crossword puzzle solver, you would be de you'd be very aware of that because that's you know <laughs> we work that in all the time. But um, I know there's all these weird laws about about alcohol, right? That you have to that champagne can only be from certain places. I know that there's there's laws in the U.S. about uh, the, the 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 specific definition of bourbon versus whiskey versus rye i'm pretty sure are all like kind of you know yeah. organized in some definitive way i it just seems a little bit of a of an unfair contest so there's this long-standing agreement that like the the, the gruyereans or whatever gave they have monopoly <laughs> on this cheese and then some like Sorry, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get kicked out of the country, but some like Yahoo judge in America is like, now nah, we can do that here. I mean, that's it just seems weird. You know, they're legislating from the bench, you might say. Yeah. The uh, I'm so glad you mentioned the crossword puzzles because remember we were talking about Wordle on Friday. Yeah. 
and we were saying, what was the thing that journalists did to brag about how smart was they are? Was it crossword puzzles? I was thinking about this yesterday. It might be, but somebody else had all the books they read on Goodreads. Oh, yeah. That was the other one. And I, by the way, I still saw that at the end of the year, but somebody was like, here's the list of books I read in 2021. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm sorry. Are, did, did you just arrive in seventh grade and you're turning in <laughs> something on the first day of school about all the books you read this summer? Yeah. When did, when did we start doing that? Anyway, thanks to Luke B. If you cannot improve on that Greer joke, congrats. You made the overworked Twitter joke of the week. All right, in the notebook dump, David, quick, a couple of quick items for you. One is some sad news about one of our favorite bits. Speaking of bits, media piss test. This is Oof. where we examine who the media or what the media is saying is on steroids. Well, on Saturday in Arizona, David, Donald Trump had a rally and Mike Lindell, otherwise known as the My Pillow guy who likes to talk about alleged electoral shenanigans, was talking about a new way for people to vote mm-hmm. that he said was allegedly safer than the old way that people vote, which as we know is very safe. And Mike Lindell said, it's paper. This is his new process, but oh, it's no. paper on steroids. Paper on steroids. According to Ross Tor, he also said it's the most awesome paper you've ever seen. You can't copy it. It's better than money. <laughs> so my question is, did Mike Lindell just kill the bit? No, man, that's hard. We can let the bit live on. But anytime anything Mike Lindell sure? gets involved, well, I don't know. Anything Mike Lindell gets involved with, I think you just we can can we just take a mulligan on this one and just revisit <laughs> the media piss test in a week or two? Got some news on sports documentaries for you. Right. You know, the sports documentary on Netflix, the series Formula One Drive to Survive. It's mm-hmm. a big hit. It had an incredible effect on sports here in the United States. The effect was that all everybody we know started tweeting about Formula One on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Just incredible to get those kind of results from a sports documentary. Well, Netflix has announced two more in the same vein, two more documentary series. One is about the PGA Tour. And the other is about tennis. So there's going to be a drive to survive of golf and a drive to survive of tennis. What do we think of those ideas? Uh, I mean, I'm sort of preemptively exhausted, but but I but it, it it's a good idea, right? I mean, the fact that everyone's tweeting about Formula One is not really a negative for anybody except people who are trying to get through their Twitter timelines without saying anything about Formula One. But even then, I mean, who am I to talk? This is all the people who've been complaining about, you know, my wrestling tweets for the past decade. So, you know. It's interesting when the NBA had its little boomlet of attention over the last decade and boomlet, I think largely meaning Twitter attention, right? Whether it translates into ratings and interest in basketball is probably yet to be determined over a long period of time. But we can say like a lot of media attention that didn't have in prior years. People always said it was because the NBA was a soap opera. Mm-hmm. You got players, uh, you've got the Woge bombs, you've got the trades, you got, you know, stuff spotted on the sure. bench at halftime, all that kind of stuff or during the game. Um, it's interesting to me how like golf and tennis, like formula one are trying to kind of reverse engineer themselves into being a soap opera, (laughs) right? Golf kind of had it going on. 
you know, a little bit over the last year or so. I don't think I don't know if tennis other than Novak Djokovic had it going on all that much, but it's just funny to think like, that's what we want to be. We want to be a quote unquote reality show. So now we're going actually to be a reality show. Hey, it's worked for a lot of things in the past, you know, but yeah, it's, it is, it is, it is definitely very interesting. I mean, I, 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 who knows if tennis and golf will get you, we'll get to the same spot. There's a certain, there's definitely like an alienness and oddity to the, to formula one that I think makes it sort of alluring and also a little, you know, getting it's in on the ground floor. unknown to a yeah. lot of Americans. It's totally new. Yeah. Before, at least before the series. Yeah. All right. One more note for you, David. This is from Carl Bernstein, wow. who we recorded an interview with him yesterday. He's going to be on the press box this week. And I asked Carl Bernstein, what is your favorite media movie? We like media movies here at the press box. And Carl Bernstein, David, uniquely qualified to answer because a movie has been made about him. Mm -hmm. A great media movie has been made about him. His answer may surprise you. As I used to say on the internet, here is Carl Bernstein's favorite media movie. This Girl Friday Uh, with Rosalind Russell. Great pick. a great, great, great movie. And uh, it's funny, I was just asked, uh, <laughs> I was just asked in, in another, uh, actually it was, it was a Reddit interview online. And I was asked about being played in, in another movie uh, by an actor named McCulloch. And it's the great movie called Dick, which is a fabulous send up of Watergate of Nixon, and particularly of me and Woodward. And, and, and Will Farrell plays Woodward. And, and this man McCulloch plays me. And they've, they've got down every aspect of, of, of our dopiness and anything else that Woodward and I are capable. And they've got it just wonderfully. That was not the answer I expected. <laughs> anyway, His Girl Friday. Very good vote. Time for David Shoemaker guesses the strained pun headline. Yeah. Friday's headline about Prince Andrew having his title stripped was Royale with Sleaze. And so the good. narcissist formerly known as Prince. I think even better on the second one. Today's headline, David, comes from Brendan Chisholm. It's from the Sydney Morning Herald. It is one more headline about the Novak Djokovic situation. Remember, All right. it looked like his visa was going to get canceled because he's unvaccinated. When he arrived to play at the Australian Open, it led to the immortal headline, Return Serb. <laughs> Return Serb. Now, in fact, Novak Djokovic has left Australia. We're still going tennis puns here. What was the Sydney Morning Herald's strain pun headline? Oh, gosh. I should have been working on these. Um, uh, I got nothing to go on here. He's back. Is it? Uh, out there's of some, Australia, there's some finality out, to this. The end of um, uh, the end of uh, the match is over. You might say, "Oh, uh, game set match." Like, okay, uh, okay, yeah. uh, um, game set. Uh, I remember why he was. I know leaving uh, game set. Vax at game yep. set. That's it. Game, game set, set Vax. Vax. Oh man. David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production magic by Erica Cervantes. More from Carl Bernstein this week, David. Yeah. As he mentioned, when we talked to him, he had just finished a two and a half hour Reddit AMA. 
Oh my gosh. Do you, do you think that Carl Bernstein was thinking of that when he was breaking all those Watergate stories? <laughs> <laughs> Someday I will sit here and let people ask me questions on Reddit. Oh man. Coming up on Thursday and Shoemaker and I'm back Monday with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian.